0: Well, good morning everyone. Welcome to downtown harbor church. I'm adam on the lead communicator here Happy father's day to all the fathers in the room or who are listening online We're super excited that you chose to spend a few minutes of this special day with us If you are a father, we hope that you spend it celebrating having an amazing time I am the father of a dog. We are celebrating big today. She has a cake and a hat for me when I get home I'm very excited about that um, with that said, um, I just wanted to say, just is a DHC side note, which is really an exciting time for us here at Downtown Harbor Church, so if you've been a part of Downtown Harbor Church for any length of time, you know something about DHC, is that the coffee here is awful. It's like tar. However, I just wanted you to know, and we can cheer at the end of this when I let this out of the bag, right, that from actually this week going forward, we now have Dunkin' Donuts providing the coffee for us here at Downtown Harbor Church, <laughs> huh? Right, so this is an exciting time. So, our buddy, my buddy John, who does the announcements up here, who made the bad coffee for the better part of two and a half years, we'd like to give him a big hearty thanks and great job, John. But your services are no longer needed. Thank you. Anyway, we are diving into this new four week conversation series talk, whatever you want to call it called. Life-changing fiction and I got to tell you something today's message is really just one of my favorite messages of all time that we just get to bring and present here on the stage at downtown harbor church it's super important but this idea that fiction right fiction this idea that things that aren't actually true things that are made up yet can actually have a life-changing impact on our life when we put what the lesson teaches into practice In our life. And for the next four weeks, we're gonna take a look at some pretty powerful truths that we can actually apply right where we're at. Because the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is this idea of life changing fiction is centered around one thing, and it's centered around stories. It's this idea that all of us, whether we heard stories when we were a kid, whether we heard stories as an adult, whatever the case is, is that each of us in our lives have had an interaction with these things called stories. And why I believe stories are so powerful for each one of us is because God, this ever-present creator of the universe, who's bigger than we could ever understand or imagine, who created all things and also created us as human beings, God actually created us to have something, right? God created us to have an imagination. God created your imagination. Every human being sitting in this room has an imagination. You can think big. You can dream big. You can imagine scenarios that have not yet came to pass. You can dream. Your mind, your psyche, your presence as a human being is meant to do that based on God, this massive creator of the universe. And so if we have an imagination, we can understand how powerful and impactful stories are. We can understand that if we're, u- if we're meant to use this tool that God gave us, why stories would impact us. And I'm going to talk about how in just a second. So the question is, though, before we begin, because a lot of times we hear this idea of fiction. We hear this idea that it can present life change to each one of us should we accept it. We kind of, kind of go, eh, isn't fiction for kids? Isn't fiction for people who are younger and growing and developing? Is fiction really for me? Well, the question that I have to ask you is related to fiction, and it's this. Has fiction ever changed your life? And the answer for every single person in this room is the same. The answer is yes, of course it has. Of course fiction has changed your life, whether that's a story you read growing up as a kid, maybe it's a story that you were told that was a long tale from a grandfather or a father or a grandmother or a mother. Maybe it's a story from someone's culture that wasn't necessarily true, but it was meant to prove a point, giving you deeper perspective into who they were as people. Of course, somewhere along the way, fiction, stories have changed each one of our lives that's why it that's why fiction is so powerful furthermore let me take that a step further because why adam are we talking about stories why are we talking about fiction from the stage at downtown harbor church well allow me to just tell you something about who we believe to be the risen messiah A broken world who so desperately needed him. We believe that person is Jesus. And we believe for centuries, God's creation, human beings wandered the earth searching for a connection with their creator. And they were promised a Messiah, someone who would come to earth, and should they believe in him, that he died and rose again, claiming to be and proving to be who he said that he was, that if you believed in him, that you would be made right with God, the creator of the universe, the creator of all things. And do you know his name was Jesus? And do you know why we talk about powerful fiction from this stage? Why it's so powerful? is because when Jesus walked this earth and began his ministry and had his ministry for the number of years that he did it, he told stories. And Jesus told stories because they were powerful. That's why Jesus told Stories. In fact, when religious leaders of the time and people of the time challenged him and tried to back him into a corner and tried to make him misstep, Jesus always wouldn't give an answer. In fact, he would go, here's a story. Think about this. You tell me what you think. And that's why I love his life and what he did so much as he taught the people how to live and what to do specifically to those around each other and them. But stories do things, don't they? Stories do things to our psyche. Stories impact our brain and our heart and our mind in a different way than we've ever been impacted before. In fact, stories do a number of things. Stories right where they're at, they help us see more. Stories allow us to hit the pause button and to see things that we would never have seen. Stories allows, uh, allow us, whether they are books or television or movies or stories that we're being told, they allow us to get a different perspective into the life of someone else. They allow us to get a different perspective into the culture of cultures who are different than us. They allow us to see things in a different way. They allow us to see somebody who might be struggling with things that we don't struggle with. They might allow us to see people who've been through things and have come through those things, and all of a sudden, we can come through those things too. They help us see things in a different way. Another thing stories do is they help us care more. Stories actually allow us to care about things that we may have never cared about before because we've seen some different things. They help us provide empathy for people who are dealing with and cultures who are dealing with and groups of people who are dealing with different things than we're used to dealing with. And then furthermore, one of the last things that stories do, which I love, which is why we're just going to land on them right where we're at, right, is they allow us to hope more. They allow us to have a hope in our future or in the future of someone else because we've seen someone else maybe come through that. We've seen people win in their stories and all of a sudden we go i can do that i believe in that i might share this story with someone else even if it's fiction even if it's not true so that someone i know who's going through a rough time or a hard thing could actually have hope stories do a lot stories have a lot more impact than we give them credit for because as adults right we're cynical and we go stories i don't need stories aren't stories for kids Isn't that book right there for a kid Isn't that show for a kid? Stories do something with us. Stories are so powerful. Stories move us to imagine a world beyond ourselves. Stories hit us right where we're at and they allow us to express our imagination so that we can gain perspective in the life or the culture of someone else they give us a deeper perspective for what that means in stories over time in your life open your mind to the perspective that god wants us to have that's why jesus used a very powerful way of teaching See, when Jesus reached into the people of the time, the religious leaders of the time, people who were followers of his at the time, Jesus used a particular technique to teach them. In fact, this was probably his largest teaching technique that he used. And if this was important to Jesus, by goodness, a couple thousand years later, it still applies. It should be important to us. He actually used parables to teach the people a lesson right where they were at. What I love so much about Christians, right? Specifically the local church is that even though you may have been around the local church for a long time Maybe you're brand new to the local church I don't know where you're at in your journey with church and spirituality and jesus god all that stuff, right? But a lot of times Christians are completely uneducated and they're illiterate related to parables. Because a lot of the times people will look at parables and they'll go, Man, those are true, right? In fact, I had a conversation with a, this was a couple of years ago, about this specific parable that we're going to talk about today. And this is a parable about a guy by the name of a Samaritan. In fact, you may have heard it before. It's called the Good Samaritan. And I remember a couple of years ago, I was just sitting around and these were church people who I was talking to. And we were talking about this particular story and they were talking about hey what do you think it was like that day when that guy got up you know the one of the guys in the story and he took the walk that he was going to go on what do you think it was like in his home using their imagination and then we talked about the Samaritan the guy we're actually going to talk about they're like what do you think he thought when he woke up on that day and I raised my hand I go I just want everybody to remember something I probably should have been excommunicated years ago by based on what I was about to say but I said does everybody remember that this was fake right this was made up, This what? and people are like, I didn't know that was actually fiction, and not, of course it was. That's what we have to realize, that's what we have to understand, but just, don't miss, this is so key, just because it's fiction doesn't mean it's not true, oh. Look at that bomb that we just dropped. Just because it didn't actually happen doesn't mean that there's not massive life-changing truth within the context of these stories. Which is why we take the time to understand them and process them and dissect them. Because the truth is right there. But the parables Jesus told were not true. They didn't actually happen. They were fiction. But boy, were they ever life-changing for people who needed it right where they were at. And some thousands of years later, we need it right where we're at today, too. So if you have a scripture and you want to open it, you can definitely do that. We're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 10 today. If not, that's totally fine. If you do want to follow along, because some people like to, you can do that on any mobile device or it will be on our screens here at Downtown Harbor Church. Luke chapter 10 verse 25 through 37 it's deep it's a lot of scripture today so kind of zone in with me because it's very impactful um, and it's very difficult to kind of process all of these layers but it's so crucial to just zone in this is so key one day right scripture says an expert in religious law stood up to do what test jesus let me pause Remember I said that the religious institution of the time, experts in the law, they didn't like Jesus. They didn't like this new person who was walking earth claiming to be the Messiah. He was about to disrupt their institutional religious state and they didn't like it. So on every opportunity that they had, they backed him into a corner and tried to get him to step in mud because they eventually wanted him gone. We're going to wipe our hands off him. We don't have to deal with them anymore. So they tried to test him always. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, I can see him with just a smug look doing it too, right? Like many Christians you know today who are just thinking they know more than everybody else. You know who I'm talking about. Don't get me fired up, okay? Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Basically going... This guy's going to screw this up. Watch and get somebody, get the popo on command, right? We're going to lock him up this time, okay? And Jesus goes, hold on. What does the law of Moses say? Reaching right into their culture. See, the religious institution of the time followed by the book, the law of Moses. And Jesus reached right into their culture, reaching them right where they were at. He goes, what does the law of Moses say? And I, I love this because I can just see Jesus kind of smirking going, how do you read it? what do you think it's like and the man replied right because you would the man answered you must love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your strength and all your mind and you must love your neighbor as yourself and jesus goes okay that's what the law of moses says the guy goes this is what it says now this is what jesus goes right listen bro you're right okay do this and you will live. Hey man, congratulations. You got the answer. I can just see this happening, right? That's where my imagination comes in. Jesus kind of holding court with this religious guy, probably in some kind of robe or something and getting everybody to come around going, watch this. I'm going to trick him. And Jesus goes, man, great work. Awesome job. You're right. I'll see you later. Good work. Send it in, mail it in. You got it down. I'm out of here. Thank you so much. i can just see him kind of doing that, right? But the guy, see, the guy was picking at Jesus and the guy was going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you, even though you answered properly. Law of Moses got it. Here we go. But the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, Hey, Jesus, all right, I got you. You're right. Okay, you say I'm right. I'm right. You're right. Everybody's right here. But let me get you again. Who is my neighbor? You told me to love my neighbor just like I love myself. Okay who is my neighbor and what do you think jesus replied with i can see him with his back right and i can just see him kind of look and and he and he just turns a slow turn right around going glad you asked because jesus in that moment did something he did something it's just the old the whole reason we've crafted a message series around this because of how he replied jesus replied with a story jesus i see him going sit down boys Take a seat. Glad you asked, because then he reached right into their culture again and he said this. Jesus replied with a story. And he goes, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, okay? Imagine you're one of these people who's challenging him, who would have been a Jewish person. So all of a sudden, as Jesus dives into this story, he immediately reaches into their culture. He goes, imagine a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. You, one of you, you guys who are sitting around listening to me, you, someone who you would sit with, would come to your temple, you would break bread with. They're traveling on a road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Not only was it someone that you could relate to, But more than likely it's a road that you've been down before time and time again It's kind of us like us traveling down broward from federal over to 95, right? It's a dangerous journey. You know that okay right there down broward boulevard, right? It's it's a road that we would be familiar with and then Something happened he goes this is what this is. this, This is what I want you to understand Imagine this a jewish guys traveling from jerusalem to jericho when He was attacked by robbers, also possible on Broward between Federal and 95, okay? And then then they stripped him of his clothes, again possible on Broward. I'm just kidding. Well, hopefully not, all right? Okay, so this guy was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So I only imagine kind of like a mic drop, right, where Jesus is going, one of your own. Just was traveling on a road that you know, and he was beaten up and left for dead. They took everything. What would you do? Sure enough, Jesus then goes on to say this, right? By chance, a priest came along. Now, a priest was one of the religious leaders of the time. It could have even been a similar person to the same guy who asked the question to Jesus originally. So imagine being there and the guy who asked the question, a religious leader of the time, could have even been a priest, right? And then Jesus said, but hey, you came along. Then a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Meaning a religious person who was looked up to by society, someone who was the head honcho, ran the show, who should have helped, was way too busy, had too much religious theology going on in his mind, and just crossed on by to actually care about somebody, one of his own, who needed help. He just goes, okay. The priest walked on by. He was busy on that day. He had things to do. But there was somebody else who walked by, right? Right? A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed to the other side of the road. Historically, and in different translations of the scripture, this temple assistant was also known as a Levite. And wouldn't you know, these were the first people to wear blue jeans. That is an awful joke that we came up with during our message prep this week, and it was just brutal. Like, we tried it the first service. It bombed then. I said, I'll give it another try. My buddy who does the announcements, he came up with that joke. That was awful. I apologize, folks. Anyway, even, he even said to me, you, if that doesn't work, you should throw this one in, so I'll throw it in. In fact, they discovered they wore blue jeans because black denim didn't look good on them. It was too hot. We really got to get some new writers around here. Anyway, so anyway, here's what happened. I like that some people are laughing in the room. It makes me feel at least a little good, right? So here, lo and behold, priests, (laughs) I'm laughing now. That was awful, right? Okay, Priests and Levites, two individuals, walked on by. One of their own was lying there. Sure enough, they didn't even have the time to practice the things that they would preach to others. For a man who was in need, a man left for dead. They were, in fact, religious leaders who should have gotten this right. They were religious leaders who should have not stood for anything else other than helping this individual right where they were at. So I started to ask myself a question, right? Who were some religious leaders of the time that we might be able to think of? Who are some people who we could equate this to, right? That they maybe just walked right on by and may not have helped in that situation, who we would look up to? Here's one that I thought might be an option for walking on by, right? I don't know if you. That's our executive director, John, with our changing table downstairs in our nursery. After we ran out of room in the trailer rather than buy a smaller one, he decided to lop the legs off in a hacksaw and put it on an exhibit at the museum. Oh, he did a nice job okay just think. again just out of curiosity you just think who are some, might be some other religious leaders of the time that you know might be people that we would look up to that would go man they may get it right from time to time they may get things we should look up to them that? well these are our parking lot guys right and i couldn't tell if these guys were helping people in the parking lot or they were helping people at the bar the other night I couldn't I couldn't tell either way they were hopefully getting it right okay there they are right there okay and there are a couple of them are in the room they're laughing I like that. These are attempts to make the message humorous in the middle of a very serious topic here's the truth here's the key being religious doesn't equate to love I don't care how spiritual you are I don't care how much scripture you claim to know i don't care how often you go to church i don't care how christian you claim to be i don't care what kind of outfit you wear being religious doesn't equate to love because jesus said in this story you religious people who are too busy getting to your holy huddle and holy events time and time again are walking by the very individuals who even may be different than you or similar to you it doesn't matter who need your help who needs you to love who needs you to care and you're so obsessed ...with your own religious, Christian, spiritual habits that you've missed the main point. And Jesus goes, I'm telling you this right here. You don't like it? I don't care. I've put you right where you're at in the middle of this story and you've got it wrong. And then he goes, let's get it right. He goes, then a despised... The word despised is so key in the scripture, right? Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Let me talk to you about this man, the Samaritan. Let's talk about Samaritans and Jewish people. These two cultures hated each other. I can't express this enough. These two cultures were at a cultural war with each other. If you were a Jewish person, you were not allowed to associate with a Samaritan and vice versa. They were at literal war with each other. Furthermore, in Jewish culture, if you were seen at all being affiliated with someone who was a Samaritan, you could become an outcast based on your own society these two people should not even come close to each other and you know what jesus said then a samaritan walked by to a jewish man who was beaten to a pulp on the side of the road going over to him the samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them then the samaritan put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him now this is so key right because you got to remember something guys This is fiction. So Jesus could have made up whatever he wanted to at this point to prove this point. And this next part is so key, right? The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. A lot of money back then. Telling him, take care of this man. And this is what I I love so much, right? If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Jesus didn't have to say that. He could have stopped it. He put him on his donkey after he helped bandaged his wounds. He didn't have to go into this part with an end. He did it for a point. He did it to show people that this Samaritan was going the extra mile to care for and show love to someone who was massively different than him. Saying, you religious people got it wrong. You don't have it right because you're walking by with your nose in the air based on someone who really needs help. This guy who is at war with this person, who shouldn't even have touched him or been associated with him, he got it right. Do you want to know what I think he's saying at the end of the day? He's going, guys, gals who can hear my voice, this is love. If you want to look at that, this is love. You want to know how to love? You asked me how to inherit eternal life? Whoa. Who's your neighbor? This is love. Because so often you want to know what I see? I see people who claim to be religious. I got this pretty good. I love the people around me. I love my family. I love the people I might engage with at church. Some of my coworkers I really don't like. Understandable. Okay. But some of you are going, okay, but, but, but what, what people generally say is I'm, I'm pretty good at this whole loving my neighbor thing. But the question really is, who's your neighbor? That was what the Jewish religious scholar asked. And Jesus responded with the story. Here's what I want you to know. If you want to love your neighbor as yourself, you have to love all your neighbors, even them who uh, you know what you know what they think or what they believe. Like I mean them, mm-hmm. but what about they? They've wronged me. They've crossed me. I can't be a doormat them. Mm-hmm. The family who you don't want to associate with, the co-workers who you can't stand, the people who you just don't like, people in our city who are down in their luck and out of their luck, people who have addiction problems and recovery problems, them? Mm -hmm. Not just the people you like, not just the people you care about, not just the people who are going to be in your life no matter what, all your neighbors. You know how I know this? Because the story that Jesus told didn't end there. It goes on as he asks another question. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked? And I'll tell you what the man replied with, because I can only imagine him sitting there and going, Oh, my goodness, Jesus, I don't even even know what to say or think, right? But The man replied as Jesus asked the question, the one who showed him mercy, a religious scholar of the time replied to Jesus and said, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said he didn't lambast the person, he didn't criticize the person, he didn't make a fool of the person. You want to know what Jesus said? It was just something very simple. That's what he said. Now go and do the same. Take this story, this example, this fiction, and go and do the same. See, at downtown Arbor Church, we just believe a couple of things. Because it would have been very easy. It would have been very easy for any of us in that situation to just walk on by, taking a stance... Taking a stance that we can't associate with that person, who might be different than us, who might think differently than us, who might have different political views than us, whatever your political views are. We don't talk about that here at DHC for a very specific reason, right? But we might just be able to say, I'm walking on by to take a stance. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh, stances don't matter. You need to love. So at Downton Arbor Church, we talk about that. We say around here that we don't take stances on things. We just build relationships, And we allow God and the Holy Spirit to work through those relationships right where they're at. So that we can hopefully have a different impact than we would if we just stood there with a stance. Because you know what? If we take stances in life, you know, we're viewed like the priest and the temple assistant, the Levite, who just walk on by. Jesus said, you are the one who shows him mercy. Now go and do the same. In this story, you are the Samaritan. What if you acted like that? Because the truth is, is that you're not probably going to encounter people in your life who've been attacked by robbers and beaten up who are bloodied, specifically people that you might not like. You may not see that in rare circumstances you might, but what if you just took that and applied it to every situation in your life and anybody who was different than you who might need help or who might need lifted up and not beaten down? What would that look like for you? Because so often what we as Christians tend to do inside of the local church is we just check the box and we said, okay, I'm going to go hang out with my specific religious group of people and study the scripture and go to this study and do this event. And furthermore, we ignore the, in fact, exact people who Jesus told us to reach out to and interact with rooted in love. You wanna know what the local church has done? In my experience in the local church, we've maximized all this other stuff that we've created and we've minimized love. Love has almost become a negative thing inside the walls of the local church. And we here want you to know what we believe because we want to be very careful to never minimize what Jesus maximized. And if you look at his life and you look at this idea of love and reaching out to other people, you know that it was the absolute most maximized thing that he talked about. It was the core of every story and every message was rooted in love. And this story is not just a story from an author some thousands of years later that you like, which may have engrossed you in this story, some fictional story. This story is from the Savior of the world, the risen Messiah, to a culture who so desperately needed to hear it. And the truth is, is that some thousands of years later, we need to hear this story again right where we are we are at. Never thought that fiction could be so powerful, did you? Until you actually realize that it has the potential to change your life. Not only to change your life, but to change the life of another person and then change culture and society as we know it around us. That's life-changing fiction. That's how important these stories that Jesus taught. So at Downtown Harbor Church, one of the things that we try to do each and every week is put a word on the screen that we can actually grasp and understand that we can hear a message on Sunday and put it into practice in our lives on Monday. And that word is practical. So we kind of ask ourselves, hey, here at DHC, what's the practical in this message? What's the practical that Jesus is trying to teach us right where we're at so that we can go out and to change the world around us? So first of all, I just need you to know this because a lot of you might be new to church or maybe you're back to church Or maybe you've been in church for a long time and maybe you've been confused about what this looks like Here's just what I want you to know. The first practical is a recognition, right? Recognize that religion and love are very different They are very very different anyone who would tell you that Christianity is a religion, and don't get me wrong on this. It has been organized throughout hundreds and thousands of years into an organized religion. I get this. But if you look at its very earliest formations, do you know what it was? It was a movement, a movement based in and rooted in love, based on someone who went to a cross and died the ultimate sacrifice, the risen Messiah showing love to his people. Therefore, we could take that love and go out and to love other people as ourselves. It was a movement based in love, not a religion. And we've organized it and put parameters about it. And I get it. It's just kind of what happens thousands of years later. But don't forget to recognize there's a huge difference between religion and love. The second practical is this. Seize the ministry theology tension. Don't miss this because this is kind of a little bit of a deep one, and I want you to understand it. Ministry is what the Samaritan did to that Jewish man along the side of the road. He gave up their qualms, their quarrels, their beliefs that they didn't agree on, and he reached out to that man. Okay, If he were just rooting what he did in theology, he should have walked away. Because his religious beliefs would have prohibited him from doing that. The Jewish man, the same. And what Jesus, I believe, says is, is this. Hey, your beliefs are not wrong. Your beliefs are not bad. Uphold your theology, but don't let theology get in the way of your ministry. Even if you love someone, it's okay if you don't agree on your beliefs. And you can walk away and there's nothing wrong with your beliefs. Let these two things interact. Don't let them be mutually exclusive. Uphold your beliefs but love ministry and love people. Allow me to just say this because I feel like it this morning. Sometimes I just feel like it related to your beliefs, your theology. If your beliefs cause you to treat someone the wrong way, then something is wrong with your beliefs. Because a lot of times our beliefs cause us to treat people inappropriately in the wrong way and that does not line up at all with the words of Jesus and what he taught and how we should go out there and love other people. Don't miss that, don't ever miss that. Sees the ministry theology tension And then lastly This is so true When's the last time you've done this When's the last time you've reached across the aisle And reached out to someone different We don't like people who are different None of us do For whatever reason it's innately in us It's just a fact In fact we're scared A lot of us of people and things who are different Jesus said uh uh Nope Reach out right where people are at And you know what i love so much about this story is the cross-cultural references that this story made because the truth is the fact of the matter is is that we're supposed to go out and be like the samaritan helping others even those who are different but what would it look like if we were beaten up and lying on the side of the road wouldn't we want someone to do that for us if we're going to eventually somewhere along the way want people to do that for us it's got to start right here with us doing that to other people first Over and over and over again, asking for nothing in return, saying to some innkeeper, here's my card, just bill the rest. I got it. Wouldn't people see more? Wouldn't people care more? Wouldn't people hope more if that's the way we lived each day in and out? If we did this, just very simply, look for unusual ways to help others, even those who are different. Look for unusual ways to help others, even those who are different. That's our bottom line for today. And I just want you to toss it up on the screen back there. Do you have it for me? We don't have it. There it is. Okay, perfect. There it is. Look for unusual ways to help others, even those who are different. Think about what your life would look like if we did this. Think of what our city would look like if we did this. Think of what culture would look like if we did this. Because so often we don't. We huddle ourselves in a corner. Say I want nothing to do with anybody else. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh, don't be like those people who claim to be big shots and walk on by and walk on by and walk on by. They are wrong. Be like someone who was different who reached out and gave everything that he had to someone in need. Look for unusual ways to help others, even those who are different. Let me pray. Father, for who you are, God, we just say we thank you. Jesus, thank you for telling this story. The people of the time needed to hear it. Jesus, we need to hear it right where we're at. And Lord, I just pray that through today's message and your word to us, that you would help us to unpack it, that you would help us to be convicted in our hearts, to go out and to reach into the lives of other people, to be able to speak your truth to them, into them, so that we could embrace people. Because God, the truth is is there are a lot of people who are hurting And God, the local church has stiff-armed so many. Please forgive us. We've We've walked right on by. Jesus, would you help us never to do that again? Open our eyes. Help us to be changed by this story we pray today. We pray it all in Jesus' name.